Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Welcome back to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. I'm Zach. This week on the A to Z Running Podcast, we're talking about running posture, why our posture suffers, why it matters for running, and what we can do about it, including tips you can immediately apply on your run today. We've also got some world of running updates from the Diamond League circuit and a U.S. road championship and more. Mm. Be sure, before you do anything else, go to a dizzyrunning.com because it's a great place to bleed. B. Also, click the word follow because then you don't miss when the good things are happening. As well, it is right next to the word coaching, which is an even better place to be. <laughs> well, thank you so much to those of you who celebrated with us for our 100th episode last week, our episode with Kate Grace. I reached out and asked you guys what you thought we should do to celebrate, and you said a giveaway. And it was really fun. Wait, 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 wait. So Andy said, what should we do to celebrate that we've done all this stuff? And then you said, give you free stuff? <laughs> I had mentioned giveaway as one of the things. Come on. And then Pete said to eat brownies, which we haven't done yet. I'm sorry I failed you, Zach. I'm still waiting for the part where we celebrated anything. What I celebrated. What, how did we celebrate? Good times. Come on. Oh, you like said. this. You said good times. Mm -hmm. That means celebration. Celebration. It's a celebration. Yes. So we really appreciate all of you who have shared the podcast with your running friends. And we still have one more day left. So Wednesday night, the contest closes for winning this roof tree massage gun, as well as an A to Z running hat, a pullover, and some SB socks, some compression socks. So pretty great giveaway. So hop on over to A to Z running on Instagram. A singularly most effective way to pummel your muscles as if the running hasn't done enough to them. No, but seriously, Roof Tree, as far as this particular product goes, quickly becoming one of our more frequently used items. What are you doing? It's, I'm showing uh, how powerful you, yeah, it is. Yeah, you're going to drive everyone insane. <laughs> everyone listening right now is like, what is that sound? They need to fix their audio problem. Okay, settle down there, Andy. All right, so... For me, most particularly, this tool has been valuable while driving because, you know, when you're going like long distances and I have to drive a lot for work and in doing so require sitting for long periods, the massage gun is a great thing to bring along for like, you know, when the calves are getting cramping or especially like my quads sitting in a bent knee position for long periods of time. My quads just don't love it. So that's helpful. It's good. Um, and it's easy to, you know, transport, which is mm -hmm. great. In addition to that, we've talked about here the battery life of this product is astounding. So count it. We have charged the, three, the thing three times since coming into our possession, which amounts Spring? to over three months. Yeah, so we've like owned it for three months and charged it only three times. Name a single other device that you have that's battery operated so that matters because then you just really don't have to worry so much about so charging it constantly yeah. and it, and it really is quite effective also you know we can't just end there because the value matters yeah. too you can spend a lot of money on these kinds of products yeah you don't if you buy this one so right yeah, that we have a it. comparable one, one that works similarly to this one that was almost three times the amount. Every massage gun does about the exact same thing. Really, the key is those heads 
the, the attachment pieces yeah, which is one that's where you get like if you get one that doesn't have the various kinds of attachment pieces um then then you're falling short because there's different reasons why you want well, some of them are softer some of them are harder some are like a trigger point some are flat you know all that kind of stuff so i don't know what andy's trying to show you right now but Sometimes. for those of you listening you won't know anyway um the point is most of them come with those kinds of things and that's really all you need you don't need to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars for this stuff yeah so, so this one is about 119 dollars, but i think there's a 30 dollar amazon uh coupon right now no so. it's free because you can get it via our giveaway oh, yeah. which is the whole point <laughs> so check it out all right let's get on to the world of running This week in the world of running, we are starting with the 20K U.S. Championships that happened on Labor Day, September 6th in New Haven, Connecticut, and it was called the New Haven Road Race. It was hot, humid, and hilly, the three H's, but there was very good- The three H's. Yeah, the three, hot, humid, hilly. Wait, is that a thing, or you just made that up on the spot? I I don't know. I feel like I've read that before. Okay. Okay. Uh, The men's race was very competitive, coming down to a kick. So it was tactical racing from the beginning of this race. It started out slower than usual. And then the end was just like every man for himself running his guts out, which is very exciting to watch. So the winner was none other than Ben True. This guy keeps on showing up. It's amazing. In a time of 59.53, Ben's average pace per mile was 4.50. That is slow for that race. Yeah, but so Ben was actually, you know, fairly pleased because this is part of his marathon training for Ah, NYC. Good stuff. So, yeah, and a lot of these gentlemen indicated in post-race interviews on USATF channel that they were looking towards a fall marathon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it wasn't even close to a solo effort. Simbasa, Baya finished. Via Simbasa. Oh, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Finished within the same second. Yeah, and they were literally just like, you know, running guts out mm-hmm. and kind of one of those down-to-the-wire things, which is not terribly common in road races, but when it happens, it's even more exciting in many yeah. ways than the track because nobody knows exactly when to start going. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't know how precisely far you are from the finish line. On a track, you know exactly meter to meter, but, you know, they're out there and it's just like, I see the finish and someone's going to start going and I don't want to be the first one, but, and, and someone goes and then the chase is on. It's always good. And Nico Mantine was only one second behind them. So there's yeah. three of them up there. And then Leonard Career was with ah. that pack the whole time. He's won multiple times in this race and he said he's considering the 25K championships. Oh. Right. Which many of us from Grand Rapids are excited to hear when good talent is coming to run that race. In case you forgot, Leonard Career was fourth at the U.S. Marathon Trials mm-hmm. and has one of the fastest marathon PRs in American history as well with the 207. So, yeah. So it's, it's not surprising to see him mixing it up. And, of course, he's been the champion before. And then previous guest Clayton Young was fifth and in a post-race interview discussed how hard it is to keep the mileage, do the workout, and give the race the respect it deserves as a championship race. There's just so much going on this fall. And he is considering the 25K champs, even though he is going to be racing a marathon this fall as well. So he's going to kind of like slot that in there. And he has qualified for the half marathon championships. So uh, previous guest, Nate Martin, was 15th and a strong showing as well. And uh, Zach Widener is one that we also follow. He had a strong showing at 26th place. And then the women's race, 
Erica Kemp was the overall female winner in 10620. And this was a new event for her. So it's pretty awesome to like show up for the first time at an event and win it. And she has done the 15K. She does mix it up in these road championships as well and on the track. And she took it with two miles to go. She said she was feeling pretty strong there. And then second place was McKenna Morley who shared in a post-race interview that she will also be competing at the 25K Championships and the Half Marathon Championships. And then Emily Durgan was third. Now, Lindsay Flanagan, you may recognize that name because she shows up to all of these road racing championships and always does very well. And she is training for the Chicago Marathon. You can keep an eye out for her. And Obse Baru, she ran a strong race in 112.21. So I don't know exactly what her place was in the championship, but she was first in her age group after the first 10 were taken out. So hmm. uh, she must have placed pretty strong in the championship as well. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Do you know who the points leaders are for the U.S. road circuit? I think Clayton Young still is. I think that they were talking about that in the post-race interview that he's he's still on top there, but I'm not sure. So well, don't quote me on that. that <laughs> I think point. Emily Durgan was. I don't know if she still is. Uh, that was the last that I knew. That's what I had thought, which is why I had asked. Yeah. But I don't know exactly where those are, are totaled. Do you know where they're totaled? Yeah, I'm sure USCTF keeps it somewhere. Now, that said, let's jump on to the next thing briefly. On September 5th, on this would have been Sunday, um, there's, so the World Athletics is doing its own track tour. Uh, we have the Diamond League, which is kind of like a separate thing. I mean, really, it's a World Athletics thing, but it's also a separate thing. Um, but the World Athletics Continental Tour is another one and they have with like different levels of meets and the gold meeting is like one of the higher levels and they had one here in Silesia Poland and in particular I'm not going to talk about the entire meet but certainly the men's 3000 meter was of interest to us at least because if you recall when Sufian Elbakali was mm. running in the most recent steeplechase Diamond League, he hit the first barrier. Yeah. Remember, we described this to you. It was quite brutal. brutal. Hit it just like full on his thigh, and it was bleeding, and like it looked bad. And he was like, you know, on the ground the whole race then, and they, yeah. they were tending to him. It looked bad. So, yes, not good. Um, well, he's back. And, right. and clearly was not uh, catastrophically injured because Good. he he was back and he's running fast. So the, he ran the open 3,000 meters as a gold medalist from Tokyo, clearly a race favorite. However, he was upset by world junior champion. What? Yes, world junior champion Tedese Warku of Ethiopia, who won the 3,000 meter in a solid 736 or so. Okay. Wow. That's so it was impressive. good. Yeah, it was a good race. They were tight. They were close together. But uh, the, the junior over overcame the gold medalist, which is uh, really something. Moving on to Belgium, Brussels Diamond League. We have the full meet for you to watch if you would like. Zach and I did watch it. It was a very fun meet. And As noted, we tend to like the BBC coverage of these things. And they're so, typically on YouTube. Yep. So you can watch the entire event. It's very entertaining track and field. And like we've mentioned, the quality is top notch it's good stuff <laughs> the it's women's stuff. mile proved to be an exciting race with four personal best times in the top six performances now the winner didn't get a pr because if she would have she would have gotten the world record because she is the current world record holder in the mile and that is safan hassan now she went out in world record pace but it proved to just be a little too testing after the season that she has had well she fell shy of the record she still claimed the meeting record and a world lead time of 4 14.74 
Yeah, so yeah. still very fast. And she Two was, seconds off her world record. Mm-hmm. And she was soloing quite a bit of it, as you would expect, because, you know, she's running the fastest. That's yeah, it's hard to, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to know at this point. You know, the system is so gamed at these meets. So they've got like two pacers in front of her for a good chunk of the race. Now, at that pace, they're not going long, but no. they at least a good chunk of the race. And then they've got those lights on the track, you know, pacing them that way, too. And it's always just kind of like a question of, how much does it matter anymore whether there's a real race happening? And they've got the okay. crowd. You know, they've got the tens of thousands of people screaming. Which, More than which Tokyo. Is, <laughs> which is, yeah, Tokyo was empty. Uh, yeah. So, which was a big deal. Um, and we know that that matters. But the competitive edge, some athletes even say that they prefer to not be, like, stuck in a pack kind of thing. They like to just kind of, you know, run them by themselves. Interesting. So, uh, who knows? It'd be interesting to know how Sifan Hassan views it. Yeah, she does everything in terms yeah. of strategy. She runs from the back sometimes, from the pack. She just trails the leader, and then sometimes she pushes the pace herself. So, And this was knows? different than her world record performance where she went out more conservatively. This time she went out harder, and that is unusual for Safan Hassan. As you have probably seen in her championship racing, she usually takes it out and then negative splits. That's just the way she runs. Mm. And then six seconds behind was second-place <laughs> finisher, um, Aksawit Embraye in 421.08. And third place was Lyndon Hall of Australia, who ran an Oceania area record, ah. which also, of course, includes the Australian record in a personal best time of 421.38. Solid. And then I'd love to note the U.S. athletes. U.S. athletes Elise Cranny and Josette Norris were fifth and sixth, both running personal best times. Excellent. Wait, that was a personal best for both of them? Yep. Nice. All right. Um, somewhere in the 421, 22-ish range. There, it was all, It was a very tight race after Sifan Hassan. Yes. <laughs> it's good stuff. So in the men's 1500 meter, which is always an exciting event for us this summer because it's just been great watching the likes of Stewie McSwain and a few of the other Australians of note and Mohamed Katir. And there's just been a, some very exciting racers uh-huh. to watch. Well, once again, Stewie McSwain did what he always does, which is, you know, just go Run hard. Fast. Yep, go hard and chase <laughs> whoever left. the pacer is. Yep, whoever the pacer is. He does not, he runs one kind of race, one strategy. Um, and it's simply because he knows his strengths and he knows his weaknesses. Now, it would be something to see if he could address those weaknesses in such a way to possibly expand his repertoire of racing strategies. But for now, he just does what he does best. Mm-hmm. And so he goes hard. And in this instance, it worked well yeah, for it him. It doesn't always pan out, especially when Jakob Ingebrigtsen is in the race. But it did this time. In a 3.33, a solid victory for Stuart McSwain. However, hard on his heels was Countryman and one of our own uh, affiliates, if you will, via the podcast, Oliver Hoare mm-hmm. of yep. On Athletics Club. Within the second. Within the second. <laughs> yep. Literally chomping at his heels. So good stuff. And then in third place was Poland's Michael Rasmus, who has not been making the big international marks um, as much as some of his countrymen have. But uh, this was a good showing for him in a third place finish in a Diamond League race. Mm -hmm. Mohamed Katir of Spain did not quite impress as much as he was earlier this summer, um, but uh, fell back a little bit further into seventh place. Yeah, he did make a move, which I think helped the race. You know, there are people that don't podium that are big factors in how a race unfolds. And, you know, when people start moving like Mahad Katir did, he just didn't have it in the final throws of the race. But he's somebody who made moves that push the race forward. Mm. So that's why we wanted to mention him. And then the women's 800, it was a slower day all round, although it was not slow. 
just slower than we've been seeing. Jamaica's Natoy uh, goalie won the event in 158, followed by Great Britain's uh, both Great Britain's uh, Keely Hodgkinson and Gemma Riki within the same second. And then fifth was last week's podcast guest, Kate Grace, who we've been following along in her Diamond League series. Which has been quite the series. Yeah. If you didn't listen to that episode, go back and listen to it last week because she specifically is addressing the letdown of missing the U.S. Olympic team and then having to kind of like recenter herself for a huge summer season. Mm-hmm. Like massive PRs, massive. Diamond League victories, just an Long incredible summer league season. Yeah. But without that, in a, in a sense, bearing the burden of that big disappointment too. And she discusses that in uh, some really interesting and compelling reflections mm-hmm. on our episode last week. So go back and listen to that. Mm-hmm. Women's 5,000. Now, this was another fast PR event for many. Six of the top 10 ladies ran personal best times in the event. Now, Francine and Samba of Burundi won in a national record in person plus time of 1425, but she was not unchallenged at that time, which is quite incredible. It's a very fast race. Uh, Ethiopia's Taye pulled around the corner challenging Nisaba and just like she held her off, but she was there in like pushing. You could see her coming up on her shoulder. And then am I saying that right? Nin- Same which one, right? Nian Saba? Nian Saba. Um, Nian Saba just was able to press a little bit harder and held her off. Now, it, it should be noted, Taye has run a, a full 10 seconds faster earlier this summer at the Ethiopian trials, um, which which was an interesting event because basically the three Ethiopians just kind of blazed together and ran super fast times. Um, so in like a time trial sort of event, she's clearly got it in her legs. But that final kick thing, you, it, it's going to always favor Nian Saba for a, a wealth of reasons, um, but she is previously an 800 meter specialist and so if it comes down to final kick stuff you have to tend to favor the people who have the leg speed side of things um, among other reasons mm-hmm. and then Helen Obiri of Kenya who uh, is the defending world champ from 2019 in the 5000 um, ended up third she often does not have that kind of kick as well if it has to come down to that so she usually is one who will press a little bit earlier uh, but it didn't quite have the speed she wanted to shake everyone off but she I means she was only a second behind. Yep. So it was an exciting race, the women's 5,000. And Alicia Munson of the USA ran a personal best time and moved up to fourth on the U.S. all-time list. Quite incredible. Only faster women are Shelby Houlihan, Krista Schweitzer, Shannon Rowberry. So this is elite league type yeah. of stuff. Like we're talking about she's uh, now a tenth of a second faster than Molly Huddle's mm-hmm. personal best time, which was the American record when Molly Huddle ran it. And Shailene Flanagan a couple seconds behind that, which also was the American record when Flanagan ran it. So right. she's faster than these ladies. She's in pay the upper echelon. Alicia Munson of On Athletics Club. Excellent. And she is only getting started. I know. Good yeah, stuff. So exciting. Well, that rounds it out for today. We've got plenty more coming at you next week. Let's get on to our main topic. This week, our main topic is running posture. On the A to Z Running Podcast, we have had so many great experts when it comes to form and physical therapy and what we can do to have better running form. And today we're going to discuss posture specifically and why our posture might not be great and what we can do to improve it, including some tips for immediately on your run today. 
there is a school of thought that thinks that maybe we should let things be. And that would make sense if we lived in a perfect world, but unfortunately, many of us are hunching quite a bit. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here soon. And we want to make a case for why posture is important and why it needs our attention and what we can do to start improving it today. And I just have to say, as far as that school of thought of like, you know, just let people run, however, whatever's natural, keep in mind that none of the world's best runners do that. Like they, they have coaches who work year round with them specifically to make teeny tiny adjustments to the way they're running to increase efficiency and power output and mm-hmm. muscle recruitment. And let's continue down the list. Yeah. And so if indeed they're investing so much into that, then everyone who says that that's not important is clearly wrong. <laughs> there is a balance. So there's some things that are going to be unique to you. There are definitely differences between humans, tall, short, big, small. There's going to be differences. However, there are laws of physics. There are things that you can do to propel your momentum to make you faster because after all, a lot of this is science. So that's why we're going to dig in a little bit today. When someone says science, you are not allowed to disagree. (laughs) So Andy said the word means you have to agree with everything we're about to say, no matter what it is. If you have alternate thoughts, feel free to share them with us. We are not closed to the idea that maybe there are some things uh, that I don't know that you do that might not be best for physics, but still better for you More as importantly, a runner. I don't know. We are very interested in if you have specific experiences within yeah, this topic, sure. share those things, yeah, questions yeah. or comments or, or things like that. Because um, this, this conversation is always a fascinating one. What we're going to try to do here is we're going to bring directly to you information from some of the leading minds on the topic, mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. in our area and in the running industry, especially in the United States, uh, the ones we have direct access to at least. Um, And also just what are some of the things that when you talk about, okay, so I've identified an issue, what should I do about it? We've got some of that for you as well. Mm -hmm. So let's get it started with just what we're doing wrong and why we have bad posture. So Andy, why do you have bad posture? I tell you what, this is a topic that is near and dear to me because it is very convicting of my horrible habits when it comes to posture. One of the reasons that most Americans, I'm going to say most, I don't have an actual percentage, our posture is poor because our head is bent over our computers or phones. And according to Mayo Clinic, the average human head weighs almost 12 pounds. And if yours weighs two or three times that, then clearly it's... (laughs) Are you saying your ego's big? It's two or three times that size. Oh, she got me. I set it up. Uh, uh, Everyone's equivalent- clapping now. They're like, ah, Andy got Zach. Good. <laughs> the Good. equivalent of a bowling ball. Oh, my. So if you think about a bowling ball, when your neck is bent at 45 degrees, your head exerts nearly 50 pounds of force on your neck. In addition to straining joints and muscle- muscles in your neck and shoulders, the pressure affects your breathing and your mood. Oh so there you go. Mood and everything. So you're saying, okay, but Everyone's Andy. sitting the, up straighter now because we're like, oh, my head's like a bowling ball. It feels heavier. All right. Tilt, tilt your pelvis, shoulders there back. Yep. Up. Okay. In this article. So Andy, I actually asked you why your posture is okay. bad. Oh, because of bending over a phone uh-huh. and a computer. Yeah, constantly. So when I watch Andy when she's working at the table, I continue to wonder how it is she doesn't have perpetual back pain. And then she says things to me like, oh, my back's hurting. And I'm like, oh, wait. She does. And he knew all along things to help. He actually had something that we could have put my computer on that we still haven't done it yet that could help me Wait, with that. Wait, so why is that my problem? I mean, 
That clearly is something you... Okay. okay. You we don't need to hear our marital conflicts um, on air. So in this article that I'm linking to on AtoZRunning.com slash episode 101, uh, there are some tips of how to design your workspace for it's a helpful. Posture. It's a helpful reflection mm-hmm. because indeed there are simple things, tools and tricks to... If you're going to sit at a desk with a computer and things like that, here's something to yeah. try to do. So how this affects our spine from physioon.com, the spine has four curvatures. The reason why it has four curvatures in jelly discs is because the spine works as a spring. And one of the spine's primary functions is to absorb impacts and our weight whilst we are in the vertical position. Did you just say whilst? I said whilst. But it, well, but you're using the word whilst? Well, that, I'm reading a quote. Interesting. From physioon.com. When you're sitting down, the spine loses some curvatures and increases others. So the ability to absorb impacts and weight decreases so the body has to rely on the muscles to help deal with this and this may lead to wrong mechanical patterns of Mm. movement that can lead to injuries so these are one of those things that if you talk to a spine person like a chiropractor which i finally call crack dealers because that's what they're doing dealing crack anyway um, I, i am in fact so when when you talk to people like that, they say all your problems start with the spine. Uh, when you talk to a podiatrist, they say all your problems start with your feet uh, and, and all of these things. Um, the, the key reflection here is if you've got issues with your spine, it's going to cause you other problems. There's a guarantee there. So this is something to consider because we need our spine to be able to move in these certain ways. As runners, we're putting a lot of impact forces through our body. And if the spine isn't doing its part in absorbing Chances are something else is having to take up the load. And the spine is a serious piece of machinery there. And so if anything else has to take up that load, chances are it can't do it well. Mm. Good to think about. So so Jay DeSherry has a lot to say about this topic as well. He's the, the author of Running Rewired, and he's also one of the most fondly referenced and sought after um, experts in strength and mobility in the United States for runners. So if you talk to people like the Bowerman Track Club, they'll say, oh, yeah, we know Jay. We use Jay for things. If you talk to p- people like, um, you know, so anyway, the point is everybody knows him for good reason. Um, and so in his work on the topic, he's got a lot in the book, and we're going to reference a few things throughout our conversation here. What is especially helpful in his material is he gives you exercise and routine plans to address the kinds of issues. So if this is your issue, here's what you should do to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's really good and practical stuff. But one of the things he notes in general here is most of us spend, as Andy mentioned, a significant amount of time reinforcing bad postural alignment. Think about the sitting at the desk with the computer and all of that kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, he lists a few things that are non-neutral positions, like sitting in a chair as opposed to standing up tall. How about standing but slumping? Does anyone here slouch while you stand? Or if you have like a child in arm and you're standing with the hip popped out, that kind of thing. Uh, All of those are non-neutral positions. Um, Another interesting one is just carrying heavy things. If you have to carry stuff around, especially if you have to carry something like on one arm, but not on both. Like all of these things influence our postural alignment negatively. Uh, And then we add in like footwear, heels, or um, if you're walking around constantly barefoot uh, and you're not used to that, if you're used to that, it's not a problem. But um, and then especially the one about like, how do you how do you look at your phone when you pull your phone out of your pocket or wherever you hold it? um, This is the most interesting thing, right? You don't see people walking around holding their phone up at eye level looking at it, which would be a really goofy thing. But at the same time, would probably be better for you if you did. So now in the future, when you're walking down the sidewalk playing Pokemon Go, hold your phone at eye level. 
while you do it and have everyone look strangely at you. Hmm. But anyway, these are all not neutral things. So the question, of course, is we practice bad alignment constantly. How much time do we practice good alignment? And the answer most often is when we're running, we're still not practicing good alignment properly. Mm. So let's continue on to the next step in the conversation here, which is why posture does matter for runners. Mm -hmm. Now, we are mentioning again, running were wired by Jay Desherry, and he addresses the issue of posture for runners. And he says, posture is not a detail. It's one of the most important aspects of running form. It keeps your body healthy and helps you beat the clock. If you can't stand right, you can't run right. Ah, and so here it begins. This is one of the things I love about Jay DeSherry's work. He says, okay, we're going to help you run better. But first, you can stand you better. stand properly? <laughs> yeah. Can you even stand properly? It's great. So, Zach, um, there's an interesting test from the book. Oh, yeah. So he's got this. It's just kind of like a simple reflection. He talks a lot about the your torso as a can, your torso and head as a can. And so you think about like a soda can, which is it soda or pop, Andy? Pop. <laughs> soda can. Take uh, whatever the 10 or 12 ounces that it is, and it's empty, right? Um, and there's not much there, just a little thin like aluminum there. And you set something like a 10-pound you know, textbook on top of it. Are textbooks 10 pounds? You set a heavy thing on top of it, and it's going to hold the weight, right? No problem. But if you dimple it, like squish the sides just a little bit and set that book on top, it's not going to hold that weight. It's going to crush it. And his whole point is a dimpled can in terms of our torso, back, spine, and head and shoulders and such um, causes a lot of problems, and those problems tend to manifest in other places. So then we think we've got a hip issue when really we've got a can issue or back or something so if you're really confused keep listening we have some <laughs> tangible things for you and next week we're going to be talking to world-renowned muscular skeletist phil wharton musculoskeletal specialist did, what did i say a muscular skeletist is not a thing <laughs> okay well Sorry. actually it could possibly be Sorry, a thing phil. but it's not what he is but he's world-renowned he's written he's the one who we reference all the time with mobility he's the one who has coined the term active isolated flexibility so if you see people stretching with a rope they probably got it from phil wharton and it's a very effective way to mobilize and strengthen at the same time and we love effectiveness and some of you are sitting here thinking yeah but i've, I've been doing that for 30 years you still probably got it from Phil yeah, Warren because exactly. he's been doing it for over 30 uh -huh. years. So, yes. Yep. It's been around. All right. So that brings us to the next series here in the the essentials, which is, of course, it matters. It matters to runners, um, especially. And the question then is, what do I do about right. it? What do I do about a pastor? Which, remember, Jay DeSherry's method here. First, we've got to figure out where the problem is because um, the problem, like if, if I say I've got bad posture, that can mean a lot of different things potentially. Um, is it shoulders? Is it neck? Is it hips in the pelvic tilt? You know, all that kind of stuff. So Jay has, and this is in chapter five of Running Rewired, and we're just going to kind of lay this out for you as a great way to kind of walk this journey but we're not going to give you all the details you might need to accomplish this so get his book if this is something compelling for you or at the very least look up his material but um what he does is he's got a posture fix routine a series here and it starts with identifying the issues and moves right into things that you're going to be doing to fix them so first none of this works well if our back and and ribs are stuck right so the first step in the process is to open the spine and ribs and he's got what he calls the basketball mobility yeah. Andy loves this one I posted about it this week on A to Z running on Instagram things that you can do with the basketball even if you're terrible at basketball okay well that's not okay all right so moving on 
Andy was so insistent last summer when we were on vacation camping. She's yeah. like, I have to have a basketball. Have have and the boys at the time, two and four years old, were very confused why their mama wanted a basketball so badly. And then when we got it and we didn't proceeded to do no playing whatsoever with it, but instead just kept it in a tent and mama kept laying on it. It was very confusing for them. <laughs> now, I truly think that Miles and DJ have no idea what basketball is. That's not true. Or at least no clear concept of how it is a sport, not uh, lounging about activity. So that's his basketball mobility thing is step one because you, the stuff's got to be able to move right. And that's a way and it's a very efficient and helpful one. I do want to interject also with neck mobility and Phil Wharton has in his book how to mobilize the neck better. And it's amazing how much tension we carry in our neck and shoulders. And it's something that you can actually injure. A runner can injure through tension over time. Mm -hmm. So paying attention to that is going to help you feel better, breathe better, run better. All of that stuff is good. So step two for Sherry's process here is then we got to work on the chest and make sure that the front is actually open and mobile. He talks a lot about like when you're hunching, the, those muscles there are kind of like confined and they just kind of get stuck in that position. And here's a very simple thing. Andy, oftentimes when she's like getting ready to go to bed, she just like if, if she pushes down on her ribs, just like almost like a gentle trigger point massage she immediately starts feeling like she can breathe better. Like it's audible. She'll take a deep breath suddenly. And it's always like, oh, she must be doing that rib thing. Um, but it, but it, it works. <laughs> it's, it's because those muscles need to be able to meet, move fluidly for you to breathe more effectively. Mm -hmm. So we got to open the chest. And there's a simple exercise there. You grab one of those stretchy ropes. You pull it back. Because in order to open the chest, we have to work the shoulders properly into their correct positions and then we can we can mobilize the pectoral muscles and some of those ribs as well a little bit better mm -hmm. then step three we got to get the shoulder blades back where they belong and that includes back and down and so how do we get our shoulders into the proper position and he's got a few things it's a series there brief one recommended as well so we've addressed then if we can if we can really begin to just say if if my back chest ribs and all that stuff is where it needs to be then what's the next layer and that's where we just walk down literally downward and so the next is the hips then and, and the pelvis and how are these things moving um and so we find out very quickly it, if if our hip tilt is proper position and it's causing a kind of stretching in our hip flexors then we've got some serious hip flexor mobility issues because holding our pelvis in the proper tilt should not be stretching anything that should be natural and if it isn't, the first step is we got to lengthen or at least mobilize some stuff right away there. Mm -hmm. And there's a really simple exercise that, interestingly enough, involves, and this is what's so important about these kinds of things, it involves stretching the pelvis, but doing so in a manner that holds it in the correct position rather than just like, you know, moving your leg about to stretch something. And that's that's key because we talk yeah. a lot about functional movement, which is a topic we're going to address very directly soon. Uh, we talk a lot about functional movement. You need things to be able to move in the proper place and be familiar neuromuscularly with that motion path. And so this is a good yeah. stretch that DeSherry recommends there as well. Next up then is the ankle. And, and that's not necessarily the next thing in line, but when we talk about posture, um, if, if it's not the hips and back and chest, if all those things are good, then the ankles tend to be a place where we've got some serious issues as well. And you do, and many of you are familiar with that ankle test mobility, uh, the ankle mobility test thing, you know, put your toe against the wall 
and then bend your knee forward until your knee touches the wall and is there significant stretching and usually if there is that tends to stretch in the upper calf gastroc area um, and so if you feel significant stretching there you got to do something to release those calf muscles upper calf muscles because you've got some tension that should not be a stretch okay uh -huh. toe against the wall and you bend your knee forward until it's touching the wall should not be a significant stretch maybe a little bit in the morning like that kind of thing but that really ultimately shouldn't be a stretch and he's grimacing because she's like oh man that's like hard for me to do yeah Especially because the next step is you're supposed to then slide your foot back from the wall several inches and then do the same thing and bend your knee into the wall. And, and you're supposed to be able to accomplish that without too much serious stretching as well. And that then should be more like a soleus Achilles area stretching. Um, and so in either instance, if you've got issues, um, the question becomes, where do you feel the tension the most? And so if you feel the tension in the back of your ankle, um, or if you feel the tension in the front of your ankle, or if you can make the motion, like Andy was kind of grimacing, I can make the motion, but it's, it's quite a stretch to do so, then I need to do something. And so the front of the ankle, I've got to release that a bit. If it's the back of the ankle, I need to address um, some stretching that involves some ankle motion stuff. And if it's more of a stretch, but I can still do toe. it, that's a different problem. <laughs> if it's more of a stretch and I can still do it, I need to release those calves some. And even something like a, you know, take a lacrosse ball or a foam roller or something. Or an orb. Yeah. Or maybe Get a massage gun. Uh, sure. Get those things released. And then, you know, of course, try it again and see if, if the, if you feel the tension somewhere else and, and then you might need to address that separately. This simple posture test for the rewiring, you're supposed to stand, relax and natural and evaluate where your weight is. Oh yeah. I like this one. Um, I think it's kind of amazing how bad mine is because it says, is if it's front or uh, front of foot, then you need to make adjustments. Well, I can even tell uh, asymmetry when I'm so like standing. Andy so stands naturally and almost is, falls over. No, I'm just oh, saying no. like my left side is like my shoulder goes down. Okay. Well, yep, yeah, you've got an issue. I got an issue. Lots of them, but um, so <laughs> that's this is this is what kind of like a final test aspect here. And so do this, do this right now if you can, if you're not at the moment running but um just stand naturally normally kind of like get yourself you know relaxed because otherwise you're going to contrive this get yourself relaxed a bit and then stand put you know shoulder your feet shoulder width apart ish and then just find out where where is your weight falling most in your foot is it kind of right smack in the middle are you fairly well balanced is it more to the front more to the back um and of course if it is more to the front or more to the back, some adjustments may be needed. The most interesting thing there is we tend to find that if our if our foot balance or our weight balance is amiss, then it tends to have to do with our torso posture. And so what Jay Desherry has an athlete do in this instance is you do the thing where you you know put a hand on your chest and a hand on your belly because you're going to need to feel how your rib cage is shifting here. And then what you're trying to do is you're trying to lift your rib cage or lift your chest and then push your rib cage down, okay? How, how can you accomplish that, right? This is a very proprioception focused aspect. Lift your chest up, but push your rib cage down, and then you're trying to find kind of like a neutral position. Very hard to do when you're sitting, by the way, and almost completely does not accomplish the goal. So mm -hmm. be standing. Um, and then when you do that, you have a slight forward lean to moving into the running motion, but you should be able to get to a, sp a spot where your weight is centered, not forward, not back, and then, to begin the running motion is when you go into the forward lean. 
So to really improve your posture, we need to increase our mobility. And we are going to discuss this exclusively with Phil Wharton on the podcast coming up very soon. So we're excited to bring that to you because if your back is not mobile, if you're not able to move your trunk the way that it's supposed to move, you're going to have postural issues and it's Mm going to be harder to run correctly. And we also need to strengthen and improve imbalances and we need to build our neuromuscular responses to cue better form while running. And then, of course, as we mentioned earlier, improving habits such as creating better workspaces. I'm talking to myself here with with our bodies in mind so that we're paying attention to what we're doing all day because we are training our body even in times we're not in training. So the final piece in the puzzle for us here is not only can you do some of these things in a kind of like routine scenario, but you can also do some things while you are running. So those of you who are listening right now while you're on a run, perk up because we're going to give you some things to try right right now. now. Mm -hmm. So, okay, this is one check that we are supposed to make. This is what Dave Hodgkinson recommends just to see how you should feel while you're running. Put your hands over your head. On the back of your head or on the top of your head? Probably on the top, yeah. I never remember this which one This is how you should says. feel when you're running. Feel how tall that is. Like, I feel liberated when I do this. I feel so much better. Anyway, this is how you should feel while you're running. So bring your arms back down. He always used, used to have us do this before we did running drills, by the way, Zach. Mm, okay. To get it up. And he's got the inside knowledge. I it's do. so great. <laughs> and Mike Swinger also has posture check-ins. So I'm going to include those coming up uh, as I speak of them. They're called zombie drills. So while better back mobility and training functional movement will help lead to long-term health and success, here are things that you can do right now on your run or later on today, whenever your next run is. The single easiest thing to do, according to Dave Hodgkinson, and tested by many, including Zach and I, that will help you with your form is looking up. Hunching and looking down is a hindering position. Just think about it. As soon as someone is looking down, their head goes down. And then their shoulders go down. The more tired you get, the further down you get. And eventually, and- you're literally hitting the dirt face first. <laughs> that and is a really not funny a place any runner mental wants picture. To be. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking down, your hips also drop back, and then you overstride. And overstriding it leads to injury, and also you know it's a stopping motion, so it's not great for running. And this is a very important thing, and it sounds really simple, but people do not naturally look up when they feel bad. Mm. In fact, neutral. If someone's just thinking and they're in their own headspace, typically they're looking down. And I'd be interested in knowing a study from this day and age because we're looking down at our phones. When we don't have our phones, we're still looking down. We're not used to making random eye contact with strangers quite as much anymore. So people's eyes are not up when they're in their own head. It is an interesting thing because there's there's a compelling reflection on we're, we're uncomfortable noticing people when they notice us at the same time. Um, And as a consequence, we tend to intentionally avoid trying to notice people. But that always raises this question in my head of like, isn't it important to be aware of your surroundings? Like when I'm walking into a store or something, I'm I'm always kind of like looking around. Like I don't want to run into someone's car. But but most people tend to be trying to avoid noticing. And I'm like, that seems like a bad survival instinct. (laughs) We should work on that. We should work on that collectively. (laughs) So opening the chest is best attained by keeping the eyes ahead. But you do want to think about that, opening the chest and then having a very slight, 
eager forwardness, not, not hinging at the hips, but a slight forward eagerness. And that should help you with your biomechanics as well. And then let's get to these zombie drills. Oh, yes. I like the zombie drills. We had Mike Swinger on talking about... Author of Runner's Fix, as well as a physical therapist in northern Michigan. Yes. This is an excellent resource. Runner's Fix, DIY guide to running pain-free. Great book. And also, he's a runner himself, and he has these great zombie drills that I have found to be extremely effective, helping us put our bodies in a better position They're great cues for our bodies to engage. The airplane zombie helps with efficiency in running form. Upper body is a tattletale for the lower body. This is what Mike Swinger tells us. So in this one, the airplane zombie, you put your arms straight out to your sides. Okay, you're you're making a 180. It calibrates the upper body to keep it still and not allow for excessive rotational movement. And this forces our hips and core to dial in more quickly. It feels awkward through the hips. And that's normal. So if you feel awkward, that yeah, that's normal. But it helps You're also dial running in with your arms quickly. straight out. Yeah. So I should hope you feel a little yeah. bit awkward. Uh-huh. And those of you who are running right now, trying it in the gym on a treadmill, and everyone's looking at you like, what's that person doing? Just smile and nod. You know it. You know it. I was doing this on a treadmill this past winter at the YMCA, and people did look at me, but I didn't care. And then we have the forward zombie, and this is where you run with your arms straight in front of you like the typical zombie look. Except you don't have to do the whole hand thing. Or make a face like you just did, Zach. I think I just made a sound. I don't think I made a face. So we mentioned that a big problem of runners is hinging too much of the hips. So this drill forces you to run more upright. And so if you have calf, Achilles, hamstring, lower back pain, upper back pain, this might be for you because hinging is a, a problem that turns into some of these nagging pains. So I recommend everyone do this because who hasn't had calf, Achilles, hamstrings, low back, upper back pain? Wait, so isn't that basically like if you've ever had pain, <laughs> it might be fixed by this? Well, it would be helped by this. Uh, Okay. Right. Right. Okay. So um, Mike Swinger recommends doing these drills for 10 seconds. And that'd be before, but then you can do it throughout your run. So every half a mile, mile, whatever you choose to do to help get your body to remember. Remember, we talk about near muscular activation, being able to make that mind-body connection. We'd like to think that everything's just going to click. Hey, I know how to use my body. I'm an adult. Um, But actually, there are some pathways that we need to make stronger in order to run better. Because remember, we've been retraining ourselves in poor positions as we're leaning over the table for hours on end, typing emails and doing Mm -hmm. work. So we need to reteach our bodies. And then the overhead zombie is running with your arms straight above your head. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. our upper body tells us how efficiently our lower body is working load and push off as quickly as possible. And um, that helps us, you know, so that the load on a single leg is harder. (laughs) Mm. Um, So it puts more stress on the glutes and core and legs. um, And by putting it above our heads, we are making the lever arm longer and we have to work harder to keep from falling. So then it makes those muscles engage better. So everything has to dial in more and then we become more open and upright. A great tip from our brother-in-law, George Goad, as well. So if you try to put your hand straight above your head, everyone try this right now, even if you're running, put your hand straight above your head 
Now, Andy can't do it. She cannot get her arms straight up above her head. It's very difficult for her. Um, if that is true for you as well, chances are that you have got some mobility issues where you can't, like shoulder mobility issues where you can't even get your arms straight pointed up. Um, so the tip from George that I thought was great is get one of those pull-up bars or even just like a door frame that you can get your fingers on and enough and hang with your arms straight up above. Now I wouldn't necessarily put your full body weight into that right away. Um, but when I do it, I kind of like just, just dangle a bit with my feet still on the ground. Um, but that will immensely help open up some of that chest uh-huh. we were talking about earlier from Jay to Sherry, do his stuff too. Cause it's great. Um, uh, but all those kinds of things, if you have trouble just getting your arms straight above your head, you got an issue you've got to address before you can ever truly have appropriate posture hmm. comfortably. And now everything that we say is with the caveat that you are not having some other medical condition that would make it so that hanging. Yeah, hey, if would you be, just recently had shoulder, shoulder surgery or, or rotator cuff yeah. repair, come on, Andy. Of I'm course, just saying I gotta yes. keep a disclaimer there. Now, if I could say one thing in closing, and I, I always, I, I would have said it earlier, but I like to wait until the end to say this. Um, so many of you are familiar with uh, like the likes of Arthur Lydiard, for example, and he's one of many great legendary coaches who adopts this perspective. Um, and, and I tend to subscribe, subscribe, ascribe. I tend to subscribe to his philosophies more than anyone else's in total. Um, but one of the things he used to often write about in terms of this very topic is he basically said it was kind of a hands-off thing for him where he's like, I'm not going to really try to mess with the way runners run. However, he always had a slight caveat, which was always fascinating to me. And he said that the more a runner runs, the more efficient and proper their running becomes because it has to, right? Because you, by running more, you're getting stronger, but also by running more, you need to run better or you can't really handle it. And so his kind of thought was that it would just kind of happen naturally. We have come to learn, and he knew it as well because it was often true with athletes during his primary years also, but not everyone does truly come into total efficiency in their running, even when they're doing the proper loads and the proper types of training work as well. And that's one of the things Jay DeSherry writes about precisely, which is that um, if you are running heaps and volumes and uh, that can have some positive impact on these things, but if you have something slightly amiss during those periods and times, you are likely falling dramatically short of your potential and or getting injured more than you probably would. Mm-hmm. So... So next week's episode is a must listen with world renowned musculoskeletal specialist Phil Wharton. We are so thrilled to have him on the show once again, and we'll discuss specifically with Phil back health and practical ways you can feel better and run better. And as you know, with all of these things on your mind, if you feel like you can't handle figuring it all out by yourself or just want someone else to support you in that endeavor. For training, we're we not PTs. We <laughs> are happy to support and go to a to z running.com slash coaching or just look for the word coaching at the top of our page. And you can see our three service options that may be available to you. Everything from a simple consultation, a phone call to talk to you about what's going on and offer another perspective all the way through to writing custom training plans and or a coaching ongoing support dynamic. Mm-hmm. We would love to help you and um, help you chase your goals. And we are excited to bring you uh, experts like this on our A to Z running podcast. So if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate and review. We'd love to have more people find this podcast to thrive more while running. 